Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news... Leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's peanut butter cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. You know, on one side of us is the gorgeous turquoise Tahikan River, and then woods and cliffs on the on the other side it's absolutely stunning and as i'm sailing along on my bike sorry it's just kind of this like pinch me moment like how how can it be this beautiful and how lucky are we to be able to just be soaking this in and seeing this incredible wonderland that's up there yeah i got choked up too because i could just crank the throttle on my e-bike <laughs> Just choked me up, Carrie. Yeah, that was a very special moment for you, wasn't it? I'm kind of getting choked up right now <laughs> as we talk about it. This is the Dear Bob and Sue podcast. Stories from our journey to all the U.S. national parks and other public lands. I'm Matt Smith. And I'm Karen Smith. We're the authors of the Dear Bob and Sue series of books. Today, we're taking you to a remote community in the North Cascades National Park complex that you can only get to by foot, boat, or plane. The voyage to the tiny town of Stahican, Washington is part of the experience. And once you've arrived, you'll find yourself in a beautiful valley at the headwaters of Lake Chelan, surrounded by the majestic peaks of the North Cascades. We'll talk about how to get to Stahican, where to stay, and things to do once you're there. So thanks for joining us on this episode as we travel to Stahican, one of the most unique and special places in all the national parks. All right, Karen, this is a special place for us because remember back in 2010, it was one of the very first places we visited when we started our journey to all the national parks. Yes, for some reason, and I don't remember what the decision-making process was, but we decided that North Cascades National Park would be our first park on our two-year journey, and we chose Tahikin as our destination within the park. Last week, we went back for another visit, almost 13 years to the day. Both trips were in June. And, um, you know, we saw it with fresh eyes and I think with a new perspective uh, 13 years later. Yeah, we repeated some old experiences and tried some new ones. So it was a lot of fun just to get a different perspective this many years later. 
Now, some of you may have already listened to our episode number 43, which is all about North Cascades National Park. And in that episode, we talked about the park and about how it's made up of three different areas. So you have the North Cascades National Park itself, you have Ross Lake National Recreation Area, and Lake Chelan National Recreation Area that are all managed together as part of North Cascades National Park Complex. Right. When you're there in the complex, it's these three NPS sites that are all adjacent to each other. Stahican is located in Lake Chelan National Recreation Area, and this is in the southern part of the North Cascades complex. It essentially surrounds Lake Chelan. And one of the reasons why it's a national recreation area and it's not part of the national park proper is because a lot of times in these NPS sites where you have recreation like water sports and things like that, generally you don't do that in national parks. So that NPS site where you got boaters and you got jet skiers, that's more of a recreation area. That's why it's called Lake Chelan National Recreation Area, but it has a national park feel to it. Oh, definitely. Now, Stahican is a small remote community that sits at the head of Lake Chelan. And one of the reasons it's so remote is because there is no cell service there anywhere in this entire area. I think there is some limited internet available. We didn't find much when we were visiting. (laughs) No, there's a lodge right there in the little town of Stahican, and you can buy essentially Wi-Fi service from them for $5 a day. Uh, and it's 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 okay uh, if you really need to check a message or send a message or a text to somebody. It's really not good for streaming video or something like that. Yes. Yeah, so this is a true getaway. This is a true unplugged getaway. Now, in Stahican, the population is just under 100 residents spread out over about 30 households. Now, of course, there are more people living there in the summer when you have all the seasonal workers coming in. I'd imagine living there in the wintertime would be an adventure every single day with all that snow and, and very limited facilities. So it's, it's probably uh, pretty rough living in the, in the wintertime. Oh, I would guess so, yes. <laughs> because as we mentioned, there are no roads leading in or out of Stahican. Now, there is one 13-mile-long road that runs north from the boat landing, and it dead ends inside the North Cascades National Park. When you're visiting, you cannot bring your car with you. Right. The way the residents get vehicles up there, there is a separate barge. So it's not like a ferry system where you would just think, okay, I want to I want to take my car up to Stahican today, drive around and, and take it back. People generally, they bring their car up there and they just leave it there. And you can tell by the age of the cars up there that that's what they <laughs> did 20 or 30 years ago. Right. And we were wondering, too, how the residents get gas for their cars. These barges also bring in fuel. They bring in building supplies. Anything large like that comes in on a barge. I did notice that there was one gas pump. We also noticed that it was $7.91 a gallon. Right. <laughs> so if you're a resident in the town of Stahican and driving back and forth, that's you know that's your only gas station. Right. Fortunately, you don't have far to go with just one 13-mile road. Right. <laughs> 
Now, for the residents who live in Stahegan, there are no grocery stores there or really any kind of store. There are no pharmacies, no clothing stores, nothing like that. So groceries and all those Amazon packages are brought in on the ferry from the town of Chelan. And we actually saw quite a few of those Amazon boxes on our trip up from Chelan. I think they get to the residents pretty quick. The, the boat we were on had a wire cage in the loading area and just throw all the mail and Amazon packages and lock it up and uh, deliver those every day. So for some things, you, you might get your Amazon packages just as fast as if you were, you know, in a regular town. That's true. Now in the winter, the ferry does not run every day. So it would probably take longer in the winter. But in the summer, yeah, I think you're right. So I wanted to talk about Lake Chelan for a minute, though, before we specifically talk about Stahican. Uh So Stahican is located at the head of Lake Chelan. It is a, I see on the outline here, a snake-like lake. It looks like a snake when you <laughs> look at this. Snake-like. <laughs> it's long and skinny. <laughs> yes, it is. It's, it's about 55 miles long. Uh, and it's, yeah, it's skinny. It's only two miles wide at its widest point. And it is a deep lake, Karen. Matter of fact, it is the third deepest lake in what? In the United States or in the world? In the United States. In the United States. Mm-hmm. Yeah, third deepest freshwater lake in the United States at 1,486 feet. The deepest lake in the United States, as we talked about on one of our episodes, is Crater Lake at Crater Lake National Park. And the second deepest lake would be Lake Tahoe. Yeah, so at the northwest end of the lake where the Stahican River comes in is Stahican. And then at the other end, uh, the southeastern end, is the town of Chelan. Right. Now, the name Stahican comes from a Native American word that means the way through. And so Indians lived and traveled through this region for thousands of years. But because it's so remote, European settlers didn't discover it until the 1880s when miners came to the region searching for minerals like gold and silver and copper. And then early homesteaders began farming in the valley around 1910. And as mining declined, then subsistence farming, logging, and tourism sustained the people who lived there in the Stahican Valley. And you know, tourism started coming to Stahican as early as 1900. People came by steamboat to soak in the solitude and the mountain views. And a hotel operator there called Stahican the health and pleasure seekers mecca. That seems like a pretty fitting description. Yeah, well, it kind of depends on if the if the pleasure that you're seeking is to get away in nature, then yes. <laughs> yeah, I would have loved to see a steamboat on that lake. Yeah, and you think you think of a mountain lake as uh, you know placid and calm and flat, but when we took the boat up there, there was parts of the lake that essentially the mountains on either side kind of formed a wind tunnel. And so it could get a little bit rough. I can imagine that some of those steamboats would have trouble when the wind picks up. Oh, yeah. It was a little choppy through kind of the center section of the lake as we made our way up lake. Now, they did build a dam in 1927, the Lake Chelan Dam. And this is this is at the end near Chelan, not up by Stahegan. But it raised the elevation of the lake by 21 feet. Right. We had this debate about whether or not Lake Chelan is a natural lake or a man-made lake. And, of course, 
it was there before civilization arrived. So yes. it's, a, it's a natural lake. But they did build a dam and raised it about 21 feet. So the, the top 21 feet are man-made. And the, bo- <laughs> and the bottom 1,400 feet are natural. All right. So let's talk about how to get there. As we mentioned, there are several ways. You can go by boat, which is how most people get there. You can go by seaplane or there is a tiny little airport a few miles from the community of Stehegan, so you can take a little plane. You could ride in on the back of a horse, or you could backpack in. And there are a lot of people who actually visit Stehegan by backpacking because the Pacific Crest Trail intersects the Valley Road. Mm -hmm. And so there is a shuttle bus that goes out there. It takes visitors who come in on the ferry, but it also, when it that bus goes back to where it intersects with the Pacific Crest Trail, it will bring hikers back into town because they've been on the trail for a long time. They need to come in, pick up their packages, pick up supplies, take a shower, eat at the bakery. <laughs> uh, so anyway, there there are quite a few people who see Stehegan by backpacking. Right. And so for all the people who are through hiking the PCT, those hikers usually show up around the end of July. That's what we've heard. We haven't been there in the end of July, but the numbers swell at that point because that's about the time they make it up from their beginning in Mexico. However, there are also a lot of local people who might just do a section hike, like let's say from Stevens Pass to the Stahican area, or from Highway 20 down to Stahican. So there are a lot of much shorter backpack routes that people take. Right. And we did that. We hiked, Mm -hmm. uh, we backpacked from Highway 20, took a couple of nights of of camping out along the way, and then then hiked into Stahican and took the ferry one way out. So yeah, there there are people who do that. Right. And the great thing about that is you can spend your last night in the North Cascades Lodge, you can take a shower, you can sleep in a bed, and then you can take the ferry out. So basically, you're backpacking one way, which for us is, is usually pretty much all we can do. Yeah, that, that's right. <laughs> but most people travel by boat from the town of Chelan on the south end of the lake to get up to Stahican. There's several boats and ferries that you can take. Right. Now, there's one company there in Chelan. It's called the Lake Chelan Boat Company. Used to be called the Lady of the Lake, but I believe they have new owners and they changed the name. Uh, And they have three options. They have three different sized boats that go at different speeds. Yeah, they have the Lady of the Lake. That's the name of the boat. It carries 285 passengers. That's quite a few. Yeah, that's the that's their big boat. Yeah, well, that's the slow boat, although we shouldn't call it slow boat. It, it takes four hours to get from Chelan to Stahican. That's not bad, and it's a beautiful ride. So, um, you know, it's, it's a scenic boat ride anyway. So that's the Lady of the Lake. They're, they also have Lady Express. Now, this one holds 100 passengers, and the sailing time one way is two and a half hours. And then there's Lady Liberty that is the smallest of the boats, carries 40 passengers, and that's uh, that only takes 70 minutes 
a little over an hour to get from Chelan to Stahican. Right. These boats either depart from Chelan or the town of Fields Point. Fields Point Landing is about 18 miles away from Chelan up lake. So that's another spot where people can pick up this boat. And remember, these are not car ferries. So you are most likely driving yourself to Chelan or Fields Point. You park your car in their parking lot overnight. You leave your car and you walk onto the boat. Right. And uh, when you make your reservations, uh, just note that there are different layover times in Stahican. For instance, we took the Lady Express. It got to Stahican about 11, and it left around 1230. And there are people who day trip it. They, they'll go up, and they'll look around and visit the town for an hour and a half and, and take the, the next boat back. Right. And also, you know, if you take the Lady Liberty, the fast boat that gets there in 70 minutes, that has a six-hour layover. So definitely, you, you're going to want to get online and check their schedules. Now, here's the thing. They don't offer all three boats every day. So it depends on what day you're going. We only had one choice on the day we went, which was a Tuesday. We took the Lady Express. So it's going to depend what month you're going. It's going to depend what day of the week. Also, I wanted to mention one more thing. There's one more ferry option out of Fields Point. It's called the Stahican Ferry, and that's a separate company um, that can also get you to Stahican. Yeah, and you're definitely going to want to book your ferry transportation ahead of time and your lodging. There, there's not a lot of lodging in the town of Stahican. You know, in the high season, it's it's going to book up well in advance. Absolutely. Now, speaking of lodging, we'll talk about a couple of places where you can stay. Most people stay at the North Cascades Lodge. This lodge has the best location because literally when the boat pulls up, it pulls up right in front of the lodge. And it has about, what, Matt, 29, 29 rooms available. Yeah. And they're all, they're kind of all different. Some of them are just small rooms with just a bed and, and a bathroom. Others are bigger that have kitchens. There's a cabin. There's a lake house. Now, there is a restaurant there, mm-hmm. uh, and the food was actually great. Yes. Mm-hmm. We ate there. Well, that was the only place we could eat. Um, they have a little general store, and also right there by the lodge is the National Park Service Visitor Center. It's just up the hill, gosh, I don't know, 100 yards. And this is great because this is kind of the hub of everything. There are buses. We're going to talk about all this in more detail, but there are buses there that will pick you up and take you to various places. There is some kayak rental there. The bike rental is located close by. So this is where all the action is. That's that's right. (laughs) Now, there is one other place that we know of that you can stay, uh, which is Stahican Valley Ranch, and it's nine miles up the valley road from the boat dock. Uh, we've never stayed there, so we can't really tell you what it's like, but they they advertise home-cooked meals and transportation to and from the landing area at the, at the boat dock, so that's all included. And they have tent cabins, ranch cabins, and ranch wagons to choose from. I'm not sure what the ranch wagon is, but if it's a covered wagon, that might be fun to stay in. Yeah, but we don't have firsthand experience of that, but we just know that that's there and it's available. And if you are a camper, there are three campgrounds in that general area. There is Lakeview Campground, which is a five-minute walk from the boat dock. Uh, Purple Point, which is about a 10-minute walk. And Harlequin Campground, which is four and a half miles up the road. 
And these campgrounds are fairly small, so you want to make your reservations ahead of time on recreation.gov. Now, there are several other, you know, private rentals that are on VRBO or Airbnb that you could also look into um, people's cabins and houses. Yeah, so if you don't want to spend the night, you can take the ferry up and back in one day, like we said, there. Depending on the boat, their layovers are of different times, which doesn't give you a a ton of time, but there's a visitor center there, so you can go up and see the visitor center. It's also in a historic lodge, so that's kind of cool to see. You can also have lunch there at uh, the lodge. There's also a red tour bus that picks passengers up at the dock, takes them to see Rainbow Falls and the old Stahican schoolhouse, Mm -hmm. and it uh, brings them back in time to to catch the boat back. And these are set up with the um, Lady of the Lake Boat Transportation. When you look at their website and you book your ferry, all these other options will come up as well. If you're going up and back in a day, it will ask you if you want to take part in any of these tours. I think that red bus tour to Rainbow Falls costs about $20. So you can add things on to your boat trip. Also, if you are not taking that Lady of the Lake, let's say you're backpacking in, the North Cascades Lodge, I believe, will also set you up with a bus tour if you want to do that. But it seemed like, Matt, on our boat ride up there, that the majority of the people were just going up and back for the day. And the reason we knew that is because none of them had any overnight luggage. Yes, and we saw a lot of them getting on the red bus. And this is a good option for people who don't want to or can't walk more than, I don't know, a a half a mile on a flat trail. It's a great option for people to get back into this incredibly beautiful wilderness area that don't have the same kind of mobility as, let's say, backpackers. Right, exactly. And, you know, for the people who chose that option, our boat left at 8.30 in the morning, and it was back in Chelan docking at 3 p.m. So it's pretty amazing that you can go all the way back there, have an hour and a half to see some things, get back on the boat, and come all the way back in that really relatively short period of time. Yeah, that's a great day. Definitely. So the park itself is open year-round, and there are recreation opportunities up there in the winter, like snowshoeing, but there are limited services available in the wintertime. The park's operational season is May through October, and the high season is the end of June, July, August, and September. Yeah, and even though, you know, we talk about May through October, that's kind of the, the operational season in May and October. So the sh- shoulders of that season, you still might find limited hours, like let's say the bakery, for instance, might have limited hours or limited days that they're open. Right. If you want to go and make sure everything is open, then you're going to want to go mid-June through the end of September. All right. Let's talk about our trip that we just did uh, last week. From our house to get to Chelan, it's more than three hours hours and the boat check-in was 8 15 we did not want to leave our house at 5 a.m so we spent the night in the nearby town of Wenatchee we got a, a hotel room and that was only about what 40 minutes away from the boat dock yes and Wenatchee is a good place to stay because I don't have to worry about you know unexpected traffic it was you know 45 like you said 45 minutes away you know trying to catch a ferry, the ferry's going to leave with or without you. Right. So if you run into traffic on a, let's say, a three or four hour drive, 
uh, then you might miss your boat. So staying in Winax, you just made it a, a, a lot less anxious. Right. And Chelan does have limited hotel options, which is why we chose Wenatchee. Now, another option, if you're visiting the main section of North Cascades National Park along Highway 20 and you're staying in Winthrop, driving from Winthrop to Chelan is just over an hour. So you could add the Stahican leg to your North Cascades trip fairly easily coming from Winthrop. Okay, so on the boat, again, we took the Lady Express. This one holds about 100 passengers. It's a two-level boat. There are comfortable, like, theater-style chairs in the bo- on the bottom level that's completely enclosed. Now, you can stand back where they hold the baggage at the back of the boat on the first level. Gets a little windy, but it is fun to go out there at, at times and, and see what's going on. And then they have an upper level which is enclosed on three sides except for the back of the boat on the upper level, which is totally open. It does give you the option of being outside if you don't want to feel enclosed. There's also a tiny little snack bar on board, and of course there are restrooms. And if you're like us, um, you're going to wander around the boat for the entire two and a half hours. And they do take your luggage and they sort of pile the luggage and the boxes and things like that, the coolers in the back. Now, they say on the website that you will not have access to those. So make sure that you have with you anything that you need for those hours of the boat journey. However, if you can see your suitcase, you can access it. So it depends if your suitcase is sitting on the top of the pile or it's buried beneath, you know, 17 other suitcases. And they don't care if you rummage around in in your bag. It's just if if there's five bags on top of it, yeah, they, they might not want you to rearrange the luggage. Yes, exactly. And Matt, you were chatting with the captain when we got on. And what did you ask him? What's the most common question that they get from uh, from their passengers? Well, I had this chat. Well, first of all, I, I asked him if he saw whales on the way up to Stahican, <laughs> if he would please slow the boat down and point them out. <laughs> and he said, well, what about dolphins? Would you like to see the dolphins also? And I said, yes, that would be great. So anyway, we had a, a little bit of a laugh. I see. You, you were yeah. making friends with the captain. making mm-hmm. friends with the mm-hmm. captain. That's what I do. And <laughs> so I was asking, what, like, what, what are the funniest? I might have said, what are the stupidest questions that you get from passengers? He said, well, they also ask us how often we clean the lake because it looks very clean. And then he said, you know, a lot of people think that Stahican at the other end of the lake is at a higher elevation than the town of Chelan. (laughs) We laughed about that. And I thought, yeah, that would be really stupid to think that, except that's what I thought. (laughs) (laughs) Of course... It's a lake. Stahican has to be exactly the same elevation as Chelan. He said, you know, it, it is a little bit of an illusion because as you get closer to Stahican, the mountains rise up around you. And he goes, even in the winter, the snow level comes down. So you do get this sense that you're going up in elevation but you're not. I actually don't think that's a stupid question at all, because I kind of thought the same thing. So when you leave lower Lake Chelan, you know, the town of Chelan, you've got this kind of deserty, arid landscape. And then as you travel up Lake, the Cascade Mountain Range appears, and you're basically going from desert to forest. So it is, uh, it is an incredible change of scenery as you make your way up that 55 miles. 
All right. One more thing I wanted to mention when we left Chelan. We traveled for about 45 minutes, then stopped at the town of Fields Point, picked up passengers there, and then we made one more stop at Prince Creek to drop off some backpackers, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. When we arrived, it was 11 a.m., and we had reservations there at the lodge. We went to the registration desk, and uh, our our room wasn't ready, so we just essentially uh, put our bags on the deck, right out in front of the registration area. Just put your bags there and you're free to, you know, hang out, um, do whatever you want to. Uh, rooms are generally ready about three o'clock. Right. And even though this is called North Cascades Lodge, this is not a traditional lodge like probably most of you have been to in the National Park Service system. This, there is no one building. There is no lobby. This is just it. I don't want to say it's a hodgepodge, but it's kind of a um, uh, <laughs> there are quite, quite a few buildings. <laughs> there are quite a few buildings, right. And the main building is the general store. And this is where you check in. This has a gift shop. And it also it's kind of a little convenience store that sells some snack foods, you can get a few little camping supplies there. So that's the hub. And what's interesting about this place is if you want to hang out like you hang out in the lobby of a National Park Lodge, the hangout area is actually the front deck of the restaurant. It's a really large deck that overlooks the lake. And that's where people sit and read a book, sit and play cards, sit and have a beer, um, of course, eat meals from the restaurant. But that's the hangout area. There is no lodge lobby, so to speak. Right. And if it's bad weather, if it's raining, if it's super cold, there are seats inside the restaurant also. Yes, it's pretty big. It's, it's surprisingly big. Yeah, so we dropped our bags off um, on the deck, and that was fine that our room wasn't ready because we had uh, probably the most important activity scheduled that we were going to do regardless if our room was ready, which is walk to the bakery, the Stahican Pastry Company. The bakery alone is worth the trip to Stahican. It's located about a mile and a half up the road from the landing, and it's an easy flat walk along that section of the road. Yeah, and there's also a bakery shuttle that will take you back and forth if you don't want to walk. Right, but you should walk because you're gonna <laughs> you're going to eat a lot when you get to the bakery. You're going to eat more than you planned on because everything they have there is incredible. So yeah, you you probably need a walk. You probably do because they have cinnamon rolls that are the size of your head. They have all kinds of baked goods, but they also have sandwiches for lunch. They have quiche. They have soup. Um, so a great spot for either breakfast or lunch. And what we always end up doing is once we leave there, then we get a lot of baked items to go, stick them in our backpack and, and then have them the next day for breakfast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, so we had uh, lunch at the bakery, and then we continued down the road another 1.5 miles to the old Stahican Schoolhouse. And it was built in 1921, 
Uh, this is a little two-room schoolhouse. Gosh, it probably fits maybe 10 students. Yes, it was built by the residents of Stahegan. They cut down the trees. They peeled the logs right there on site. And all of the work done was by volunteers. So for 67 years, the kids in Stahegan were educated in this rustic little schoolhouse until um, 1988 when they built a new school nearby. It was about a quarter of a mile down the road. But what's cool about this, when you visit this old Stahegan schoolhouse, is the, the back door was unlocked and you can actually go in and look around. Right. And it looked just like the students were out for PE, right? And they had what was cool is they had class photos on hanging on the wall. It looked like on average, there were about 12 students per year, give or take a couple of kids. So that was cool to see. Uh, we also then walked to Rainbow Falls, which I don't know, it's not very far. I mean, no, it can't, can't be like a quarter mile further. Right. Rainbow Falls is incredibly beautiful. It drops 312 feet. And if you're lucky and it's a sunny day, the spray creates a rainbow. And that's how it got its name, Rainbow Falls. Yeah, this, this water is coming down from McAllister Mountain. And the falls are usually running heaviest in May and June when you have uh, snow melt. That's right. Now, there's a lower viewpoint and an upper viewpoint. Both of them are short walk from the parking lot. Now, when we went to the upper viewpoint, this waterfall was so full that we actually got very wet from the spray coming off of the waterfall. So again, this is June. Uh, the volume was pretty big <laughs> when we were there. Yeah, but it was worth going up there. It, it's not a far walk to get to the upper viewpoint, and it's definitely worth it. But you will get wet. If you're there in the springtime. Probably by September, it might not be quite as full. So at this point, when we're done looking at Rainbow Falls, we are now a little more than three miles away from the landing, from the lodge. So we made our way back, and we checked into our room. So when we got back from our bakery slash schoolhouse slash Rainbow Falls walk, we went up to the visitor center. And that has an interesting story. First of all, it's it's a beautiful visitor center. It's kind of big. It's a lot bigger than I would expect a visitor center to be in such a remote area. And, and there's a reason for this. It used to be a hotel. It's now called the Golden West Visitor Center, it used to be the Golden West Lodge. And here's the story of how it got to its spot up on the hill. Back in the late 1800s, before tourists discovered Stahican, there was one small lodging facility at the end of the lake called the Argonaut. It was just a few rooms and a small store. So in 1892, Merritt Field bought this building, which was formerly a rooming house for miners, and he spent 14 years transforming it into a luxury destination. And by 1905, this hotel of his was considered to be one of the finest places to stay in the Northwest. It accommodated about 100 guests, and each room had gas lights, plush carpeting, and most of them had lavatories. And what I love about this is that it was known for its all-night dances. Apparently, socialites would arrange for special boat trips up the lake. They would start the festivities on the slow boat journey, and they would continue throughout the night when they arrived at the hotel. So it was like a big dance party. Okay, I didn't understand this part of, of the history. They would get on the boat. Uh-huh. 
they would start the party on the boat. Right. Like dancing and stuff. Right. Right. And then they would get to the field hotel and just, we don't even have to stop partying. We just get off. We're going right in the hotel and then dance and party all night. Yes. I love that. What has happened to our society that we don't do that anymore? There was no dancing on our boat. No. We, we also go to bed at 830 at night. So uh, yeah, I, I don't know. The dancing all night. I bet they there was probably other debauchery going on. Oh, I'm all sure. Night. I'm yeah. sure. It's so, um, it's so unbelievable to hear that because when we go up there in 20, what's the year? What's <laughs> when, this year? Our year go, today? <laughs> when we go up there in 2023, it seems like we're going into the wilderness, right? What would it have been like in 1905 for these socialites to be traveling up on a steamer? I mean, th- it was truly the wilderness. Well, and what was civilization back where they came from that they felt like they had to go on a steamer up to the wilderness to dance all night. I don't know. I, I think there's more to this story. I I love the story. You know, I feel like I was born in the wrong era. <laughs> <laughs> Is that how you feel? Yes. I should have been there in 1905 dancing on the tables. <laughs> well, we can dance on the tables now if you want. Now, unfortunately for Merritt Field and his luxury hotel, the story doesn't have a happy ending. In 1927, when the Chelan Dam was built and the level of the lake was going to rise 21 feet, the Field Hotel would be underwater. Sadly, yes. His hotel was doomed to be swallowed up by Lake Chelan when the dam raised the water level. So what happened at this point was a man named Jack Blankenship. He was one of the first forest rangers in the valley and Field Hotel's last proprietor. He decided that he was going to take the hotel apart and rebuild it somewhere else. So from its timbers and beams, he built the Golden West Lodge on land that's up the hill from where the North Cascades Lodge is located now. He took the window casings, he took the old stone fireplace and the staircase, and he installed them in the lodge. And Jack's wife, Beryl, baked pies that were famous far and wide. So this lodge, in addition to its pies, had gardens and a shuffleboard court, and it operated longer than any other hotel in the valley. Yeah, and, it, and when you go there, you'll see it's now the visitor center. It's up the hill. They decided, look, we're not, we're not doing this again. We're putting this new hotel way up the hill just in case they decide to build a bigger dam in a few more years. That's right. So North Cascades became a national park in 1968. And in 1970, the National Park Service bought the three private resorts that are located right there at Stahican Landing. And those three were the Golden West Lodge, the Stahican Botel and Cafe, and the Swissmont Lodge, which was built in 1950. Park managers turned the Golden West Lodge into a National Park Service Center, and they combined the Botel and Swissmont into one concession known today as North Cascades Lodge. I wonder if we were in the Botel part of the lodge. I believe we were because the Swissmont, it's a really big cabin slash house that families can rent. So we must have been in the Botel area. I just like saying the word Botel. I know. I do I, too. I think from now on, wherever we go, 
<laughs> our first choice is to stay in a botel. Do you have any botels? <laughs> or just a single botel that we could stay in, please? Yeah, and so, you know, it's fun to go into the visitor center, and you can absolutely tell that it used to be a lodge. It looks like it's still a lodge. And you know what? The the visitor center part of this building only takes up a small portion of the building. I would love to see that turned back into a lodge. Wouldn't that be cool? Yeah, we we could give them that suggestion. Yes. <laughs> they don't the National Park Service doesn't seem to take many of our suggestions, but but you could. You could make that a lodge. And put the visitor center down where the registration office is, the general store. I think that would be a good swap. Yes, and there are also a lot of historic cabins that are situated around the visitor center. Maybe you could relocate the visitor center in one of those. I think we could work it out. I think we could figure out a okay. solution. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure the National Park Service is going to get right on that. I'm sure they yeah. are. <laughs> okay, so uh, that was day one. The next day... We decided to rent bikes because we wanted to bike the road that goes all the way back to the National Park border. And when we get to the bike rental, the Discovery Bikes, the, and, and they rent other things besides bikes, uh, they had e-bikes. And our first thought was, no, we're, we're not going to rent e-bikes, right? Because that's like cheating. <laughs> and then... Um, we thought about it for about 10 seconds and decided, yes, this would be a perfect opportunity to rent e-bikes for the first time. And that was pretty cool. That was amazing. Now, one of the things that factored into our decision was on our first trip, we rented regular bikes and we rode along the, this, you know, 13 mile road, but we only made it as far as the Harlequin Bridge, which is about four and a half miles. And at that point, you still have not crossed over into North Cascades National Park. We hadn't, hadn't reached the boundary. And you know what? That was eating at us that we never actually made it into North Cascades. Cascades National Park proper, it's much further down the road. So we figured if we rented e-bikes, we would be able to make it. <laughs> yeah, we weren't really sure because we've never ridden e-bikes before. We weren't really sure how much assist the battery gives you and could we still make it to the park boundaries. Now, we rented the bikes for four hours. And I will say, if you're going to make stops at, if you're going to stop at the Stahegan Schoolhouse and Rainbow Falls and Buckner Orchard, which we're going to talk about in a minute, and make it all the way back to High Bridge and, and look around, you're probably going to need more than four hours. Fortunately for us, we had already seen some of those things. And so we didn't spend as much time at, at some of those sites as you might want to. But I will say when when the bike attendant, you know, wheeled our bikes out um, and was giving us a little tutorial, you know, he kind of looked at us and he's like, have you ever ridden an e-bike before? And I said, no. And he said, have you ever ridden a motorbike? And I said, no. And he said, have you ever ridden a bike? <laughs> I said, well, yes, but not for probably, what, five years or so. He was directing those questions at you. <laughs> he was. He looked doubtful. <laughs> but you know what? For anyone who has not ever ridden an e-bike, it was surprisingly easy. Easy to work the controls and things. Yeah, it took us literally 30 seconds to figure out all the controls. Yes. Yeah, yes. And, and it was fantastic. And yeah, it, it might be cheating. It was still a workout. I mean, we felt it in our legs uh, when we got back and, and the next day. But, uh, you know, it's, it's great to have that option because 
you can get as much exercise as you want. You don't have to use the battery. It's just a regular bike if you just want to pedal. But we were able to get a lot further with those than we would have just with regular bikes. Well, sure, because even though you're you are riding through a valley and the road is fairly flat, it is hilly. So it was nice to have that little throttle to get me up the hill. <laughs> yeah, and there's a lot a lot of that road's gravel. So that's that's harder to bike on. Definitely. One thing I wanted to mention before we move on is that right next to the Discovery bike rental, there is what's called Stahican Log Office and this is where you can rent boats, you can arrange for horseback riding, and fishing and kayak excursions. And they also have sitting out in front, you'll see they have three off-road vehicles, they're called Polaris Ranger Cruise. And you can rent those as well. If you don't want to bike, you can get in this little um, off-road vehicle. Yeah, some people call them side-by-sides. It's an open vehicle. Several of the groups that were with us on the boat did that. I mean, it, it's, right. it's essentially a gas-powered golf cart, a little uh-huh. bit bigger. So yeah, you can just zip up to the bakery and um, fill up on cinnamon rolls. <laughs> there you go. So our first stop, even though we had been there before, we wanted to visit Buckner Orchard again. Um, it's both a historic homestead and still a working apple orchard. Yeah, it was homesteaded, the little area there, by Bill Buzzard in 1889 and then sold to the Buckner family who lived there from 1910 until 1970. I know, that's a long time. Yeah. And it's really cool to see this property. And and like, for instance, you can still see the hand-dug ditch that carries irrigation water to the orchard. Um, This ranch and 90 acres of the surrounding area are now listed as the Buckner Homestead National Historic District. Yeah, like you said, that irrigation ditch, they're still Mm -hmm. using it to irrigate the orchard. So that's cool to see uh, their handiwork is still being used. Uh, Yeah, now the property was sold to the National Park Service in 1970, and you can go out there and wander around. They also offer guided walks on weekends during the summer. And there are over 50 acres of apple trees there. And there's a U-Pick section. So visitors and residents in Stahican can go and pick apples, which would be a very fun thing to do. Again, we've only been there in June, so there haven't been any apples to pick. We got to go back in the fall sometimes because they have a harvest fest. In in October, they have music. Mm-hmm. I wonder if we could dance all night. Maybe that's the place to go. <laughs> yeah, to dance all night. Uh-huh. They also have picnicking, uh, really everything you need to pick the apples and make cider right there, the little cider press. So yeah, that would be fun to, yeah. to do Harvest Fest. It would. It's a three-day festival every October, fairly early in October. I think it might be the second weekend. But anyway, this is a very scenic, very charming landscape. So make sure you take a spin back and look at this Buckner Orchard area. Yeah, we spent quite a bit of time there. And we could because those e-bikes made it faster for us to get there. So we had uh, extra time to, to look around. But then after that, we got back on the road and our next stop was the Harlequin Bridge. Yes, and that is a charming bridge that crosses the Stahican River. There are only several bridges along its entire length that go across, and this is one of them. So as you make your way up this 
13 mile road. You are following, you are riding parallel to the Stahican River. There's some places you can't see the river, but when you can, it's this absolutely gorgeous turquoise color and it is so incredibly beautiful. But when you stop at Harlequin Bridge, it's very scenic and it's absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, but the destination we really wanted to get to was the National Park boundary, the boundary of North Cascades National Park, so we could be in the park. Yes, and this is an area called High Bridge. It's 11 miles from the landing. And so for all of you who want to say you stepped in North Cascades Park and you want to get your picture by a park sign, this is where you want to go. We didn't know if there would be a park sign there, but there is just before you cross over the bridge over the Stahican River. Um, And it's a really nice little developed area. Not only is there a North Cascades National Park sign, but there is a very cool historic uh, Forest Service cabin there. Yeah, and we were fortunate enough when we went up there that uh, the ranger who lives up there and normally is on duty, was off duty. It was his day off, and he was still doing his same ranger duties, you know, meeting uh, visitors and, and hikers, and he offered to show us the inside of the cabin, which was cool. It was very cool. So this cabin and the horse corral that's next to it were built in 1933 and 1934 by the CCC, and they're listed on the National Register of Historic Places. Now, we have been to other Um, National Forest Service cabins, and they've been extremely primitive and rustic. But this cabin where Ranger Stan lives in the summer, clearly it had been redone. Yeah, it was nice. I mean, that's a nice little home. Had blinds on the windows. Right. I've I've never seen a Forest Service cabin have blinds on the windows. No, and it had a nice little kitchen and bedroom. It looked very comfortable. And he had electricity out there. Yeah, well, he had a solar panel Mm -hmm. set up and yeah with with batteries so he he had electricity yeah now this is the point that we mentioned where the pct the pacific crest trail crosses the road right here at high bridge now just a tiny ways away from where this historic cabin is there is a campground where um, hikers can stay but they can also matt as you said they can also sit there and wait for the shuttle bus to pick them up and take them the 11 miles back into the community of stahican where they can you know get a shower pick up their packages and so on right and and there was a pct hiker there when when we went up there he uh was coming down from the north so this is a little early in the year for through hikers to be coming up from the south, but he had uh, started up north and was coming down. And yeah, he was waiting for the the bus to take him in town. And later, when we were in town, I saw him sitting comfortably on the deck in front of the restaurant, having a beer and probably <laughs> contemplating <laughs> why he was uh, spending so much time on the trail as opposed to <laughs> sitting in a comfortable chair next to a restaurant with a beer. Yeah. So this hiker shuttle, it runs during high season from June 9th through October 1st, and it has four runs throughout the day, out the 11 miles from Stahican Landing and back. And this hiker shuttle starts at 8 a.m. at the landing, and the last one leaves Highbridge at 6.15 p.m. Now, the cost is $10 per adult and $5 for kids age 11 and under. But the reason we want to mention this is because a lot of visitors who are staying at North Cascades Lodge, they take this hiker shuttle up to Highbridge 
and then they do some hikes up there. So it's a great transportation for anybody, not just uh, PCT trail hikers. Right. And if you want to save your energy for a hike back there, as opposed to riding a bike, even an e-bike, hike around, and then you come back to Highbridge and, and get the bus back. So that's a good day also if you want to skip the biking. And one more note for the PCT hikers, um, like the one we saw sitting on the deck of the lodge, then what they would do is they take the hiker shuttle back to Highbridge. If they're hiking north to, let's say, to Highway 20, to Rainy Pass, where they where the PCT trail is off Highway 20, it's about a 20-mile hike. So just for all of you who travel through on Highway 20, so you can kind of visualize it in your mind, this Highbridge area is about 20 miles to the south. Yeah, what these PCT hikers do is they know their stops along the trail and they mail packages to these various stops. And Stahican would be one of those places where you would mail your package, they'll store it there at the post office, and in there you would put more food, fresh clothes, maybe cash, whatever. And essentially these hikers, they come into town they get their package. It's like Christmas. <laughs> and they take a shower, change their clothes, get fresh food and cash and whatever else they, they have, have put for themselves in their package. Stuff all of their dirty clothes and stuff back in a box, mail that thing home. And now it's kind of like they have a fresh start. Such a great way for them to, um, yeah, to have a fresh supplies <laughs> along the trail. Yeah. One thing I wanted to mention, though, is we would encourage everyone to go up to Highbridge because I had this feeling as we crossed over Highbridge, and this is over the Stahican River, the river is kind of funneling through this gorge at this point. It's absolutely beautiful. And I did have this feeling of like stepping into a more wilderness area once we crossed that national park boundary. Yeah, you're going back further into the wilderness the further you go back on that road. And that high bridge kind of feels like the, the gateway to a, a true wilderness area. Exactly. Yeah. Now, the road does go another two more miles past high bridge. We didn't do that because we were running out of time. The, the road used to go much further, but a, a few years ago, they had a washout at the Car Wash Falls. And so it only goes uh, two more miles back there. And as Matt mentioned earlier, we had been worried on the ride up to Highbridge that we might run out of battery life before we made it back. But we had a lot of battery left on our e-bikes, so we were able to just cruise back. Yeah. <laughs> and I have to say, too, as we're taking this road back, you know, on one side of us is the gorgeous turquoise Tahican River, and then woods and cliffs on the on the other side it's absolutely stunning and as i'm sailing along on my bike sorry it's just kind of this like pinch me moment like how how can it be this beautiful and how lucky are we to be able to just be soaking this in and seeing this incredible wonderland that's up there yeah i got choked up too because i could just crank the throttle on my e-bike <laughs> Just choked me up, Carrie. Yeah, that was a very special moment for you, wasn't it? I'm kind of getting choked up right now <laughs> as we talk about it. I just halfway back, I thought, I'm not pedaling again. I'm just using the <laughs> throttle. <laughs> no more pedaling for me. We were definitely what cyclists would call cheaters because we we loved 
the e-bikes um, and not having to pedal on our own for that way back. <laughs> anyway, it was a great day. We absolutely loved it. Um, and after we had dinner at the lodge, then there's another fun thing you can do, which we didn't realize this on our first visit, but sitting right there on the lake in front of the lodge, it was basically almost in front of our room. There is a shelter that has... Um, some windows on what basically three sides and it was kind of a windy night so we went into the shelter there is a small fireplace there is a picnic table where we played cards and what matt you walked down and bought some firewood from a stand down the road yeah over where they rent the bikes there was uh, the fly shop there had firewood for sale out in the front you know i mean it's unattended so you put your cash in the in the box and yeah so i bought a bundle of firewood and we had a nice little fire yeah, and it was a beautiful night and, and watching the sun go down. So that's that's another option for the evenings. One of the really unique things about Stahican is that it has such a relaxed atmosphere. And there is apparently no crime in this area because as you said, Matt, the firewood, you just you put your money in and you take your firewood. When you rent bikes, you don't need a bike lock. No one is going to be taking your bikes. In fact, when we returned our bikes, the attendants weren't even there. Um, there was a sign that just said, "If you want to rent a bike, fill out the form and take a bike." <laughs> yeah, yeah. There were and, and there were several filled out forms there. I think the attendants had something else going on in the afternoon. Yeah, and yeah, so people just fill it out the forms and they just pay later, and so you grab a bike and just just take it. So yeah, very casual. Very casual. And when when we checked in that first day and our room wasn't ready, she said, just put your your luggage on the deck. And there was a row of people's luggage. And, you know, we had our laptops and things like that in our luggage. And, you know, being from the big city, it big made city. me a little nervous to leave our stuff out there for hours, literally hours. And of course, it was fine. And so, you know, this is such a throwback um, in time to just it's a different world over there. Yeah, and it's fun to do that for a couple of days. Definitely. Yeah, so the next morning we had until 12.30 before our ferry left. So we did a little hike. We hiked the Lakeshore Trail. And now this trail runs for 17 miles. So you could go pretty far along this if you wanted. We only hiked maybe two miles out, two miles back. And that was, that was good to just stretch our legs, get a little bit of exercise. But it's a spectacular trail because it's right by the lake and, and the views are incredible. Yes, it leaves from the visitor center. That's how you access the trail. And for the first mile or so, you're up high above the lake. The trail runs through a forest, which is beautiful. But then about a mile into it, the trail goes down almost to the level of the lake. It is spectacular. So make sure you hike far enough that it takes you down by the lake because it's just so beautiful. Um, now, the thing with this Lakeshore Trail that a lot of people do is if you make arrangements ahead of time, you can have the boat drop you off at a place called Prince Creek and then hike the 17 miles into Stahegan and take the boat back to Chelan. Yeah, I think a lot of time those backpackers take a couple of nights to do that 17 miles. So you could break it up into actually some pretty short days. Yeah, there's two campgrounds along there. Yeah. To stay in. So I think that would be fun because this Lakeshore Trail, you know, it's got some ups and downs, but it's, again, fairly flat. You're not climbing a mountain on this trail. But there are mountains in the area and there are some other hikes in this area, in and around the Stahican area that you might want to check out. Back there at the High Bridge area, there's Agnes Gorge 
And then there's also Agnes Creek, which is southbound on the Pacific Crest Trail. So those are two separate trails, and those are popular for people who take the shuttle back there and want to hike during the day. That's right. Now, at the Visitor Center, they will give you a sheet of hiking trails if you ask for one. And it really has everything from scaling a mountain to a short little nature walk. So whatever it is that you are looking for, you're going to find it in the Stahican area. So, Karen, how many days would you recommend people spend if if they are going to visit Stahican? You know, I thought what we did both times was perfect. We had two nights. And so, you know, by the time our ferry got there at lunchtime, we had half day, then a full day, and then the morning of the the third day. So uh, two days and two nights was perfect. But if you can only get one night lodging, which, you know, this place sells out pretty far in advance, then that's fine, too, because you can still pack a lot in, especially if you take the fast ferry. Yeah, and I would even vote for a third night, but yeah, two nights or three nights. The other thing I would love to do is to rent kayaks and take them around that end of the lake. When we were there, it was very windy and that you could just see the little uh, waves on the lake. And for inexperienced kayakers like us, it would not have been fun. (laughs) But if you had a calm, beautiful day, that would be a really fun thing to do too. Right. Now, uh, we should say what we brought. We brought a small cooler with some beverages. uh, And if you have a kitchen, then you can bring food. Uh, Definitely bring a raincoat, even in the summertime, and some warm clothes, even in the summertime. Right. uh, Because it can can be cool. But you, you don't need a lot. No, you don't need a lot. But it's a good idea to bring food and drink because your options there are very limited. If you're staying at the lodge, there's the restaurant and there are some snack type foods available to buy in the little um, general store. But, you know, it's nice to, we brought some beer. I would wish we would have brought a bottle of wine. It's nice to have those things. Uh, The other thing, too, is we did, as I mentioned, we did get a lot of baked goods at the bakery and we had those for breakfast. Oh, we brought our own coffee. Yeah, Um, we did. I I made coffee for us in in the morning. Uh, Yeah. And I got to say that the food at the restaurant was fantastic. It's just it's the only place to eat. Right. And they have a fairly limited menu, like a lot of national park lodges, especially as remote as this one is. Of course, everything has to come in by boat. So, you know, it's nice to bring in some of your favorite things with you. Right. Yeah, I think one of the things that I love the most about Stahican is it it's one of those places that does feel like the land that time forgot, you know, because there is no cell phone service there. So you don't have people talking on their cell phones, no long lines of cars, no congested parking lots, none of that. So it does feel like uh, just kind of a remote place where you truly can get away from it all. Yeah, I did kind of miss people yelling into their cell phone. Did you? Yeah, yeah, it, on, on speakerphone. You hold it horizontally and you speak in the end of the phone and you yell into it while, while you're on speakerphone. I, I, I missed that. Did you miss that? Yeah. <laughs> There wasn't any of that going on. (laughs) And I think because this is such a remote place and it does take some effort and some planning to get back there and to access the area. So I think it attracts kind of a hearty group of people with an adventurous spirit. And I feel like the people we met there understand it. They get it. It's a pristine place. It needs to be protected. You know, we've been to, lately, we've been to a lot of the more popular national parks in Utah and things, and we've seen people throwing trash out their 
car windows and we've seen um, all kinds of bad behavior in this place. Um, it seems to be just a, a different world. Yes. It's wild and beautiful, Karen. Yes, it is, Matt. <laughs> all right. We're about out of time. Thanks so much for tuning in today. We will be back next week with a brand new mailbag episode. And boy, do we have some great questions in store for everybody. Did we finally get one about Bigfoot? <laughs> we finally did. Yeah. <laughs> oh, do we have a story about Bigfoot? <laughs> well, don't oversell it. 